for your situational awareness. We are in a national strategic long-term contest with a formidable adversary. An Air Force podcast bringing you stories of airmen. It's really cool seeing leaders connect with millennials and, and Generation Z. Their resilience. How has the mission changed since COVID-19? Like my chief said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Innovation. Not only has it not slowed us down, it's actually forced us to accelerate further to keep up. And so much more from around the force. Diversity of age and gender and upbringing is just goodness. It's, you know, yeah. From Air Force Production, this is FYSA. When the 26th Secretary of the Air Force says he wants to sit down and talk, you drop everything you're doing, get your best blue suit out the cleaners, and head down to the Air Force Association's Air, Space, and Cyber Conference at National Harbor, Maryland. All right, level's good, sir. If I can get you to say your name. Frank Kendall. Gentlemen. And you're Angel Orozco. Angel, okay. Yeah. Hey, I never said he asked for me by name. Nevertheless, I'm Angel Orozco, and this is for your situational awareness. Thanks for joining the podcast. You can find FYSA and Air Force Podcast on Divids, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, and a few other places. In this episode, I sit down with the Secretary of the Air Force, the Honorable Frank Kendall, to hear his thoughts and intentions surrounding topics like meaningful military capabilities, his near-term to-do list, supporting airmen and guardian families, partnering with defense industry members, and of course, taking care of airmen, which includes getting them all vaccinated, as he spoke about from the stage at his very first AFA conference as Secretary of the Air Force. I've been on the job almost two months. It's been a pretty interesting start. Let me begin by thanking the Air Force Association for working with me and the Department of the Air Force put on this event, and to do so in a way that balances health risks and the value of coming together to discuss the current state and future of our air and space forces. Sadly, we are still contending with a disease that should have been well under control long ago. The tools exist to defeat that disease, but unfortunately those who have opted to spread or reinforce disinformation instead of uniting our country around facts and serving the greater good have kept us from being one team and from winning that fight so far. I'd like to start this interview with the same topic you started your keynote speech with, and that's COVID-19. Mm -hmm. In your speech, sir, you acknowledge COVID-19 as a disease that society has the tools to fight, and one of those tools are vaccinations. What do you say to airmen and guardians who are still waiting to get the vaccine, and what is the timeline for the Air and Space Forces to be fully vaccinated? Well, we're trying, first of all, to get the active duty people vaccinated by 2 November, and the reserve and guard people by 2 December. Um, there's no reason not to get the vaccination. It's very safe and it's very effective. Uh, it's saving lives every day right now. Uh, and I'm really encouraged by the fact that a lot of our airmen and guardians are stepping up and in response to the direction they're going ahead and, and moving out very quickly to get vaccinated. And I would just encourage anybody who is not to please do that. Uh, it'll protect you and it'll protect your family. Regarding airmen and guardian families, which topics are at the forefront of your mind for taking care of them? Um, well, there's a long list there. Uh, the things that I hear about every day, for example, suicides. Uh, we just had a report on, on disparity within the force, and there's a lot of instances in which people don't appear to be getting the same kind of results as other people. We've got to work on that. 
We've got to work on people's attitudes towards uh, how they they perceive uh, people are treated versus how people other people perceive they're treated. Uh, we're going to be implementing the uh, Independent Review Commission on Sexual Assault recommendations pretty soon. Uh, there are issues with both housing insecurity because of increasing rents and to a lesser extent with food insecurity in the forest. All those things need to be addressed. At the same time, we need to be doing everything we can to develop people professionally so that they are prepared to deal with the types of threats we're going to have to deal with in the future. You cautioned airmen and guardians this week about not being complacent and emphasized continuing to work with a sense of urgency. In your engagements with them here and in the field, do you feel they have the sense of urgency that you expect from them? I'm very impressed with our airmen and guardians. It was really fun this morning at the conference here, listening to some of our chief master sergeants talk. And, and they were echoing the refrain about urgency and the importance of the high-end uh, near-peer or peer competitors. And it was delightful to hear that. You've heard several times today that we serve in critical times. And these times will require critical decisions and critical actions. This is Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass. She continues from the stage at AFA. For the challenges that we face today and in the years to come, will not be won over by a speech or a briefing. They will be solved by our people coming together and moving out as one force, or as the Secretary says, one team, one fight, focused on one goal, and that is to compete, deter, and to win. And that is what matters. The ability to compete, deter, and win to protect our great nation. And with that in mind, I'm always thinking about where are we today? Where do we need to be tomorrow? And what are the things that we must do now to be prepared to answer our nation's call anytime and anywhere. We are indeed at an inflection point in history where the choices that we make today will have lasting impact on the world that we have tomorrow. And every airman needs to know that. And more importantly, we need to know what's at stake if we just simply stay the course. We are serving in a time where we don't have time for spectators. This is a time for all of us to step into the arena and to get to work. That's Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass. Now back to the conversation with the SECAF and the urgency of the matter. I mentioned in my speech the other day, we don't have a moment to lose. Uh, we have spent the last 20 years working on counterterrorism fundamentally and counterinsurgency campaigns. Uh, and we need to turn our attention back to our more near peer competitors. Uh, China has been working, going back to the first Gulf War, to try to field mechanisms, weapon systems that are designed, designed to defeat us, uh, defeat our ability to project power. And America has uh, ter terrific allies in different parts of the world, particularly in the Pacific, and we need to continue to provide the security for them, uh, participate in their security in the way that we have been so effectively for a long time now. But that's being challenged. It's being challenged very aggressively, and we need to respond aggressively. So you've often talked about getting meaningful military capabilities into the hands of airmen and guardian operators, mm -hmm. and you vowed to do everything in your power to get that done. Which areas do you think need the most attention to make that happen? For example, your relationships with Congress, uh, keeping contractors on time and costs, and internal culture. And how do you intend to address those areas? Uh, I think the short answer is all of the above. 
Um, we need to move forward on some of the things that are in development. Uh, we need to move forward, for example, on the upgrade to the F-35. That's very important and it's behind. Uh, we need to move forward on some of our new weapon systems, as well as some of our developments in space. So there really isn't any front that I can think of where we, we don't need to move forward quickly. Part of that is getting adequate funding from the Congress, and hopefully they'll act quickly on both this year's le legislation and next year's to give us the funds that we need. AFA's annual conference offers a great opportunity to engage with defense industry. In your speech, you emphasize the importance of leveraging that expertise in the defense industry and defense-oriented nonprofits on future tech development, something that lately has involved reaching out to places like the Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. What kind of call to action did you give to industry executives this week on how they can help the Air and Space Forces advance technologically while meeting program deadlines on time and on cost? Well, the main message there is we're going to be more forthcoming in reaching out to industry to have them help us and give them opportunities to do that. In the last four years, I've been in industry working with a variety of firms. And there's a lot of good technology, both in defense firms and in non-defense firms and in non and nonprofits. Uh, we need to tap into that more effectively. Instead of trying to write all of our requirements internally, we need to give industry a chance to put their creative minds to work on some of our operational problems and help propose solutions to us. We can do that competitively, uh, and it'll help us write better requirements and get better products. General C.Q. Brown Jr., Air Force Chief of Staff, elaborates on the importance of innovation, Air Force culture, and collaboration with defense industry partners. From the podium at AFA, here's the 22nd Chief of Staff of the Air Force. Innovation depends on both creative individuals and supportive organizations to turn concepts into reality. We need a culture that is underwritten with empowerment and trust. Airmen need their leaders to be their earliest supporters and adopters. We need a culture that rewards courage, tenacity, and calculated risk-taking. We value boldness and initiative, and we must remember that an idea never presented is worse than an idea that does not work. I expect leaders at every level to keep the momentum we have towards changing our culture. For me, this is the foundation of our future success. Some may say changing our culture is impossible. I don't believe in impossible. In addition to changing the Air Force culture, I think we need to challenge ourselves in how we work with the industry. When I wrote Accelerate, Change, or Lose, I stated that our Air Force must work with others to effect the necessary changes needed that we must make a compelling case to external stakeholders, backed by defensible analysis and evidence to divest and take risk in legacy missions and capabilities. We will succeed in this endeavor only through collaboration with both traditional and emerging industry opportunities to streamline processes and incentivize intelligent risk-taking. If we do not get our relationship with industry correct, we'll end up with fifth-generation fighters shooting fourth-generation weapons against sixth-generation threats. We need to team with industry to embrace our initiatives such as digital engineering, agile software methods, open architectures, and data sharing. We need to team with industry to support our force design priorities on the Hill and with our company stockholders. And we need to team with industry to work with us offering innovative solutions, not complicated with proprietary clauses, but must align with our initiatives and force design priorities supporting operational use cases. If we do not solve our challenges and turn to our Air Force and finding ways to work with the industry, we will be unable to compete, deter, and win tomorrow. 
Now that you've been the senior leader of the Air and Space Force for nearly two months and will conclude your first AFA conference this week, what has been the most illuminating experience for you so far? And then what is on your near-term to-do list? Well, I have not been surprised by the commitment, the passion, and the capability, professionalism of the people I've been dealing with. I've been around the military services, all of them, for quite a bit of my career. And it's just really uh, great to be back in the, in the family of the Air Force, if you will. Uh, one of the first things that happened to me when, when rumors about my possibly taking on this position uh, came out was to get a call from a former undersecretary. And her first words were, welcome to the Air Force family. So I think I feel that I am part of that family now. And uh, it's a delightful family to be part of. It's a terrific group of people. I've got a great leadership team. Uh, my deputy sec our undersecretary, Gina Ortiz-Jones, is fantastic. Uh, Chief Brown, Chief Raymond are those terrific people to work with. Uh, the, the entire leadership team and the staff and everybody I've dealt with, uh, it's just been a delight. And I'm looking forward to a lot more time doing that. It really does seem like a team for the ages. Um, uh, I think that's a good description. What about your near-term to-do list after sleeping for a while after this conference? <laughs> I've got a, a, a lot on my plate. I've been, uh, you know, to some extent, events have been kind of buffeting us around. Uh, Afghanistan, obviously, and that's a good example of what a professional team we have. The response to the uh, sudden collapse of Afghanistan and the need to do the massive evacuation, biggest one in U.S. history, out of Kabul, and we pulled it off with, you know, uh, on a dime. Uh, Air Mobility Command, in particular, responded very, very effectively. But a lot of other things were done to support that operation as well. And now, of course, we're very quickly moving to support Afghan refugees around the world in staging places and then in the United States. Uh, that's all been a remarkable demonstration of the capability of our, our air forces and to some extent our space forces as well. So we, we're, we've got a great team. Uh, it's very professional. It's very dedicated. I want to make sure they get the tools that they need as quickly as possible to, to for the higher end threats. And I want to address some of these other issues in the forest that, that don't allow everybody to work to their full potential and be treated with the way that they should be treated. Uh, so there's a lot to be done there. I've got a list of management issues I'm getting ready to put on underway. And I've got some specific areas operationally, which I think we need to advance. So it, it, it's just the beginning, but it's a great start as far as I'm concerned. And I'm hoping to turn my attention to all those things uh, as soon as the conference is over, actually. As a West Point graduate with 50 years of experience, as you mentioned, leading both in and out of uniform and at levels from small teams, now up to 700,000 airmen and guardians, what advice can you offer a leader at the unit level on leading diverse teams while also communicating how their team fits into the broader picture of strategic competition? Well, first of all, I'd say focus on the job you have. Be as good at it as you can be. I had the great pleasure to meet uh, Lieutenant Colonel Harvey, uh, one of the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, while I was here. And his advice to people going back over, you know, he's 98 years old now, uh, sharp as a tack, but what he said was, just be the best. And I, I would give that advice to people. Just work to be the best. That, that's what you need to do. And if you keep that in mind, you're going to do fine. Sir, finally, what words do you want to say directly to Airmen and Guardians? Thank you for your service. Uh, it's said all the time by a lot of people, but it's, it's a very real and valid. Uh, the service to the country is a, a chance to participate in a mission that's bigger than you are, uh, to work with other great people on things that are really important, uh, and to be a member of a terrific team. My mantra is one team, one fight. 
I think we've got a great team, we're part of a bigger team, and we've got a really uh, daunting fight ahead of us. And the fight is about our, our near-peer competitors, particularly China. And I think people need to continue to keep uh, their eye on that and work as aggressively as they can to make the Air Force and the Space Force as strong as possible so that we're ready to deter and, if necessary, defeat that threat. I'm Angel Orozco, and you've been listening to FYSA, a conversation with the Secretary of the Air Force, the Honorable Mr. Frank Kendall. We covered a lot in this brief conversation with the SECAF, from getting meaningful military capabilities into the hands of airmen and guardians, to taking care of military families, the COVID vaccination deadlines, and more. But the thing that ties it all together is the urgency of how the forces move. From Secretary Kendall's first AFA conference, I leave you with his last words from the stage. Thanks for listening. Several years ago, my message to members of Congress and to anyone who would listen was that we were running out of time. Today, we are out of time. In the words of one of my favorite fiction writers, protagonist from another era of strategic competition, there is not a moment to lose. While we are at this conference, and after we leave it, we should be proud of what we do every day and what we have done recently in Afghanistan, globally, and in space. But we should not be complacent, anything but. We must all continue our work with a sense of urgency that it demands. One team, one fight. Thank you. <laughs>